0: Chapters thirteen and fourteen of biography of an american bondman by his daughter by josephine brown this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirteen where'er a single human breast is crushed by pain and grief there i would ever be a guest and sweetly give relief the kind and benevolent quakers would gladly have given their fugitive guest a home during the remainder of the cold weather but they were afraid of his being sought after and traced to their house by the man-hunters after being supplied with clothes and some food mr brown again started on his journey towards canada although assured by his friends that he could travel with a degree of safety in the day the fugitive felt that the night was the best time for him and therefore hid in the woods during the day and journeyed when others were asleep soon after he arrived at cleveland on the banks of lake erie the mind can scarcely picture one in a more forlorn condition than was william wells brown on reaching cleveland besides having had nothing to eat for the forty-eight preceding hours and travelling through the woods and marshes and over the frozen roads he had worn out his shoes and clothes so that he made a sad appearance the lake was partly frozen so that vessels did not run and all hope of crossing to canada was at an end wearied by his long journey on foot mr brown did not feel himself able to go on by the way of buffalo or detroit and he at once resolved to hunt up quarters and remain in cleveland until the opening of navigation on the lakes with this determination he visited every dwelling until he found a man who offered to keep him if he would work for his board here he sawed wood and performed all the labor required of him for a shelter from the inclemency of the winter weather while working at this place the fugitive found an opportunity to saw a cord of wood for another family for which he received the sum of twenty-five cents with one half of this money he purchased a spelling-book and with the other he bought candy with which he hired his employer's little boys to teach him to read some weeks after mr brown obtained a situation at the mansion-house kept by mr e m seeger but on all occasions he held on to his spelling-book keeping it in his bosom so that it might be handy in this manner was the foundation laid for an education which has enabled him to be of use to his race while at cleveland mr brown saw for the first time an anti-slavery paper it was the genius of universal emancipation edited by benjamin Lundy. instead of going to canada on the opening of navigation in the spring he got a situation on board the steamer detroit fury worked during the season of eighteen thirty four but the fugitive was destined to undergo more hardships for at the close of navigation the captain ran away with the money and mr brown with others had to go without his pay added to this he had married during the autumn and had taken upon himself the duties and responsibilities of a husband thus defrauded of the avails of his nine months labor the fugitive went in search of employment for the winter the following extract from an article written by mr brown will give some idea of the success he met with in the autumn of eighteen thirty four having been cheated out of the previous summer's earnings by the captain of the steamer in which i had been employed running away with the money i was like the rest of the men left without any means of support during the winter and therefore had to seek employment in the neighbouring towns i went to the town of Monroe in the state of michigan and while going through the streets looking for work i passed the door of the only barber in the town whose shop appeared to be filled with persons waiting to be shaved as there was but one man at work and as i had while employed on the steamer occasionally shaved a gentleman who could not perform that office himself it occurred to me that i might get employment here as a journeyman barber i therefore made immediate application for work but the barber told me he did not need a hand however i was not to be put off so easily and after making several offers to work cheap i frankly told him that if he would not employ me i would get a room near to him and set up an opposition establishment this threat made no impression on the barber and as i was leaving one of the men who were waiting to be shaved said if you want a room in which to commence business i have one on the opposite side of the street this man followed me out we went over and i looked at the room he strongly urged me to set up at the same time promising to give me his influence i took the room purchased an old table and two chairs got a pole with a red stripe painted around it and the next day opened with a sign over the door fashionable hairdresser from new york emperor of the west i need not add that my enterprise was very annoying to the shop over the way especially my sign which happened to be the most extensive part of the concern of course i had to tell all who came in that my neighbor on the opposite side did not keep clean towels that his razors were dull and above all that he had never been to new york to see the fashions neither had i in a few weeks i had the entire business of the town to the great discomfiture of the other barber at this time money matters in the western states were in a sad condition any person who could raise a small amount of money was permitted to establish a bank and allowed to issue notes for four times the sum raised this being the case many persons borrowed money merely long enough to exhibit to the bank inspectors then the borrowed money was returned and the bank left without a dollar in its vaults if indeed it had a vault about its premises The result was that banks were started all over the western states and the country flooded with worthless paper these were known as wildcat banks silver coin being very scarce and the banks not being allowed to issue notes for a smaller amount than one dollar several persons put out notes from six to seventy five cents in value these were called shin plasters the shin plaster was in the shape of a promissory note made payable on demand I have often seen persons with large rolls of these bills the whole not amounting to more than five dollars some weeks after i had commenced business on my own hook i was one evening very much crowded with visitors and while they were talking over the events of the day one of them said to me emperor you seem to be doing a thriving business you should do as other men of business issue your shin-plasters this of course as it was intended created a laugh but with me it was no laughing matter for from that moment i began to think seriously of becoming a banker i accordingly went a few days after to a printer and he wishing to get a job of printing urged me to put out my notes and showed me some specimens of engravings that he had just received from detroit my head being already filled with the idea of a bank i needed but little persuasion to set the thing finally afloat before i left the printer my notes were partly in type and i studying how i should keep the public from counterfeiting them the next day my shin-plasters were handed to me the whole amount being twenty dollars and after being duly signed were ready for circulation at first my notes did not take well they were too new and viewed with a suspicious eye but through the assistance of my customers and a good deal of exertion on my own part my bills were soon in circulation and nearly all the money received in return for them was spent in fitting up and decorating my shop few bankers get through this world without their difficulties and i was not to be an exception a short time after my money had been out a party of young men either wishing to pull down my vanity or to try the soundness of my bank determined to give it a run after collecting together a number of my bills they came one at a time to demand other money for them and i not being aware of what was going on was taken by surprise as i was sitting at my table strapping some new razors i had just got with the avails of my shin plasters one of the men entered and said emperor you will oblige me if you will give me some other money for these notes of yours i immediately cashed the notes with some of the most worthless of the wildcat money that i had on hand but which was a lawful tender the young man had scarcely left when a second appeared with a similar amount and demanded payment these were paid and soon a third came with his roll of notes i paid these with an air of triumph though i had but half a dollar left i now began to think seriously what i should do or how i should act provided another demand should be made while i was thus engaged in thought i saw a fourth man crossing the street with a handful of notes evidently my shin-plasters i instantaneously shut the door and looking out of the window said i have closed business for the day come to-morrow and i will see you on looking across the street i saw my rival standing in his shop-door grinning and clapping his hands at my apparent downfall i was completely done brown for the day however i was not to be used up in this way so i escaped by the back door and went in search of my friend had first suggested to me the idea of issuing notes i found him and told him of the difficulty i was in and wished him to point out the way by which i could extricate myself he laughed heartily and then said you must do as all bankers do in this part of the country i inquired how they did and he said when your notes are brought to you you must redeem them and then send them out and get other money for them and with the latter you can keep cashing your own shin-plasters this was a new idea to me i immediately commenced putting in circulation the notes which i had just redeemed and my efforts were crowned with so much success that before i slept that night my shin-plasters were again in circulation and my bank once more on a sound basis the next spring mr brown again found employment on the lake and from this time until the winter of eighteen forty three he held a lucrative situation on one of the lake steamboats having felt the iron of slavery in his own soul the self-emancipated slave was always trying to help his fellow fugitives many of whom passed over lake erie while escaping from the southern states to canada in one year alone he assisted sixty fugitives in crossing to the british queen's dominions many of these escapes were attended with much interest on one occasion a fugitive had been hid away in the house of a noted abolitionist in cleveland for ten days while his master was in town and watching every steamboat and vessel that left the port several officers were also on the watch guarding the house of the abolitionist every night the slave was a young and valuable man of twenty-two years of age and very black the friends of the slave had almost despaired of getting him away from his hiding-place when mr brown was called in and consulted as to the best course to be taken he at once inquired if a painter could be found who would paint the fugitive white in an hour by mr brown's directions the black man was as white and with as rosy cheeks as any of the anglo-saxon race and disguised in the dress of a woman with a thick veil over her face as the steamer's bell was tolling for the passengers to come on board a tall lady dressed in deep mourning and leaning on the arm of a gentleman of more than ordinary height was seen entering the ladies' cabin of the steamer north america who took her place with the other ladies soon the steamer left the wharf and the slave-catcher and his officers who had been watching the boat since her arrival went away satisfied that their slave had not escaped by the north america and returned to guard the house of the abolitionist after the boat had got out of port and fairly on her way to buffalo mr brown showed the tall lady to her stateroom the next morning the fugitive dressed in his plantation suit snapped his fingers at the stars and stripes bade his native land farewell crossed the Niagara river and took up his abode on the soil of canada where the american bondman is free end of chapter thirteen chapter fourteen the weakest and the poorest may this simple pittance give and bid delight to withered hearts return again and live william wells brown early became a reader of the liberator emancipator human rights and other papers published during the first stages of the anti-slavery discussion and consequently took great interest in the movement intended to abolish the cruel system under which his own relations in common with others that were near and dear to him were held as one of the pioneers in the temperance cause among the colored people in buffalo he did good service he regarded temperance and education as the means best calculated to elevate the free people of color and to place them in a position where they could give a practical refutation to the common belief that the negro cannot attain to the high stand of the anglo-saxon but buffalo being a place through which many fugitives passed while on their way to canada mr brown spent much time in assisting those who sought his aid his house might literally have been called the fugitives house as niagara falls were only twenty miles from buffalo slaveholders not unfrequently passed through the latter place attended by one or more slave servants mr brown was always on the lookout for such to inform them that they were free by the laws of new york and to give them necessary aid the case of every colored servant who was seen accompanying a white person was strictly inquired into mr brown's residence also became the home of anti-slavery agents and lecturers on all reformatory movements after investigating every phase of anti-slavery he became satisfied that the course pursued by william lord garrison and his followers was the best calculated to free the slave from his chains and he has ever since been an advocate of the doctrines put forth by the great pioneer of the abolition cause chapter fourteen